Uh, so good to be with you guys today. It's been a break. We had a break, like a real break. That's not a, that's not a normal thing to do for church, but it was really important for our family. It was awesome. Hopefully it was valuable time for you guys. I heard many of you guys found different churches for the break, which I think is awesome and good. Some of you just spent time with family and hung out, which is awesome and good. Just excited that you guys got an opportunity to refresh and, and kind of get Get a Christmas. You had a real Christmas. That's a real good thing. But we're really excited to be back. Our kids were pumped to go to church this morning. They were asking us all during the break, do we get to go to church? Yeah, that's pretty good. So the, the kids' program is working well. <laughs> well done. And actually, I wanted to acknowledge uh, three people. So Katie, who's not here. She's not, she's not in the room. I think she's probably down there today. Um, she has become a backbone of what we're doing here. And I, I, I can't overstate enough what Katie, Nicola, Cecia, those are the three I wanted to acknowledge today, what their work for the church means to the church. Um, I think a lot of times we think of like kids' ministry as a, a nice add-on or something that's kind of neat and, and extra. You know, when I didn't have kids, I remember vividly like being in leadership at churches and being like so frustrated that kids were around. I know that sounds weird. I know that sounds really weird, right? That sounds mean and awful. But I was in like my mid-20s and I was like ambitious, driven, focused, spiritually God-focused. Like we need, but the truth is I was mean, yeah. <laughs> so that's my wife speaking. She has license to be truthful. Um, your, your priorities are different when you don't have kids and you don't understand what you don't understand. And, and I didn't realize the, the value of family. I didn't realize the value of generations, children, 20-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 80-year-olds, all functioning together. I just had my mission in mind and what was of, of, of value and importance to me. But I've come to grow up a little bit and realize that this type of family doesn't happen if all generations aren't cared for well. It can't. It really can't. Like I physically, and, and so if we couldn't physically do this, if there wasn't care for our kids in a way where it was like, this is valuable to them. If I felt like they were being dropped off and some stranger was watching them for an hour, over time it's like, no, that's not good. That's not healthy. That's not good. And, and the same would be true for any age group, right? There has to be a place for you and it has to be a place for them in order for it to be a healthy, fully functioning place. And so Katie, Nicola, Cecia, you, and Joanne, where is she? Is she down there today? They, these guys have been really consistently in that kids program and I'm just so thankful. And it, it means so much to us as a, as a family that you guys have done that. And it's such a good place. It's a, such a healthy place for the kids. It's amazing. So thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you. And, and the rest of you are doing your part. We have more babies popping up every, every week. Congratulations. We're going to see a little Kevin running around here soon. A little Bethany. Little, yeah, a little girl Kevin running around. It's going to be fun to see. <laughs> just black hair, and it's going to look just like Kevin. It's going to be great. Oh, no, I can't wait. I, I'm so excited, and we have, obviously, our Garrett, Garrett and Emily baby cruising in the back. She's back there working out, doing whatever she's doing. But she's, 
baby girl Steven is on the way too. So we, it's, it's such an exciting season, right? It's so beautiful and it's so important. So I just want to thank you guys for letting us all be a part of that. Um, we had the privilege last night of going and seeing one of my heroes. Uh, David Hogan was speaking at our friend's church in San Leandro. Um, it's called Encounter Church. It's the church Sophia and I grew up at. It used to be Llewellyn Community Church. Her, Sophia's grandfather started that church um, a long time ago. And since you know, multiple generations later, it's now in the hands of some beautiful people, Stephen and uh, Portia Sumner, and their pastor's there, and it's, it's where my mom had started a school. So it's like home, like we went home to visit. Um, and it was special just going there and worshiping there with them last night. But David Hogan was there, and David Hogan is like a personal hero. If you don't know who that is, it's really worthwhile looking him up on YouTube um, and, and just getting a getting a taste of what God can do today, what he's doing today through certain ones. He, he's a eighth generation minister. He is a missionary into Mexico, like the deep parts of Mexico where they, they go where unreached people groups are. And uh, he went down there with his wife and kids and 40 years later, there's thousands of churches that have started out of his work and they see miracles constantly. They, they see dead raisings, which is really beautiful to hear about. They, leprosy healings, like the stuff that, you, that is in the Bible, like directly in the Bible, actively happening in his life and ministry and all the people that he works with. And so just being there with him was special to Sophia and I. And uh, it was a really powerful reminder of what matters. Powerful reminder of what matters. Um, I'm challenged every time I'm around people that are obviously further along in this journey than I am, where it's like, wow, you're, you're, you're reaping the fruit of years of dedication. And I look at that and I go, wow, okay, it's all worth it. It's, it's worth pushing further into the depths of following Jesus because the, the reward and the outcomes are so significant um, and, and just reminding myself that the seasons of weight, heaviness, challenge that come, right? We have the high points where we're like, God is on fire and I'm on fire with God. We're one. Then we have the low points where it's like, I don't know where God is. He must have disappeared. <laughs> Those seasons where it's up and down, realizing that it's, it's cyclical and there's, there's moments in, in spite of our feelings, the truth of sowing and and reaping and, and planting our hearts closer and closer to the Lord daily, day after day after day, and seeing the fruit um, is so special. It's so meaningful. It's so rich. And so today I want to share with you just what God put on my heart. And, and it does correlate to that because I, I think in our understanding of what God is after with our lives, we, we are often convinced that our current perspective is complete. Does that make sense? Usually, if you're to ask someone, do you believe in what you're doing and who you are today? Very rarely do they go, no, no, I'm doing all kinds of crazy stuff and I'm totally off base. <laughs> but as we age, as we get closer to people who are maybe closer to God, and we change, we look back at ourselves and we go, wow, 
I was functioning a certain way for a really long time, and I, it wasn't out of bad will, ill will. It wasn't like intentional malice or intentional failure. I just was limited in my understanding. I was young. That's the really nice way of saying it. And so when I see people like David Hogan, and I see people like Paul in the New Testament, and I see people like Peter in the New Testament, I go, wow. I have to know there's more to my development than uh, meets the eye. I have to be of the mind to say, I, I'm not convinced I'm fully there with my understanding. I'm not convinced I'm fully arrived at my maturity. I'm doing my best, and I'm not going to be critical of myself, but I will never stop seeking the Lord to grow me, change me, challenge me. And I, I want that to be a, a, an ethic for us as people, to be inspired by the Lord, to go places we could never, ever go as we currently are. I have, to, I have to come to a point where I realize I'm made a certain way, I'm in this moment I'm in, but I'm not limited to the, the person I know. I'm connected to a spirit in Jesus that is capable of so much more than who I am that it's worth devoting myself to dreaming towards great things. I want to spark you guys today. It's, it's a new year. This is our first kind of moment back. This is our 2024 launch, if you will. And, and I have to begin to think with you guys towards what a new version of you looks like in this year. New. Like brand new. Like God has put dreams in your heart and mind regarding what could happen in your life. I guarantee you he's done that for almost everyone, if not everyone here. I, I often think about like, God, what do you have for this group? I was thinking about you guys while I was taking a break over vacation. And I'm like, so, and, and I just, I, I think through your faces. I know where you sit because you're really routine. I know you guys are over there. I know you're there. And I, Iron always sits here and Don sits back there. We're gonna figure that out later. They're, they're gonna be fine. <laughs> Um, and I have so much love for you guys. I'm so proud of who you are. And I, I don't think it's coincidence that this group is here today. And as I think of you, I know you're not going to be here in 10 years. That's a funny thing to say to a church congregation. But I know who you are and where you're at in your life cycle. And you're just beginning to get a hold of a God who's like a rocket ship. And he's planted dreams in your life long before you got here. Long time. Like, we didn't, we didn't come along and inspire you. God has been inspiring each of you for a really long time. He sent us here to be a part of this season of life where you really lock your hands around that rocket and go, God, wherever you want to go, I'm not letting go of you. And I'll go anywhere and do anything with you because I believe in you. I am convinced that God is like in his way, and I, and I, wanna, I wanna talk personally about kind of his way of communicating his vision for a life. What it means for God to send you somewhere. I think sometimes we, we really think we're gonna be like Mary. Remember Joseph and Mary? 
Mary was at home and an angel walks in the room and goes, God has plans for you. You're pregnant right now. <laughs> and Mary's like, okay, I guess he has plans and I guess I'm gonna follow him. And, I, and it's like, she was like forced into this moment of like her life got changed that day. And she was then sent on a mission to raise a child. And it's like, there's no shaking that call. I think we think that God, if he were to call me to miraculous, amazing things, it would be like Mary. It would be like an angel shows up in the room and says, Stephen, you're with child. <laughs> now the rest of you giggle because you know Stephen really physically can't be with child. And that's a silly thought for Stephen to be waiting to be told he's with child. But most of us are waiting to be told we're with child, so much so that the thing that we hear from the Lord just changes us on its own. It miraculously converts us and we are then like turned and sent on a path that we never would have gone on but for the word of the Lord that came. There was one Mary. There was one Mary. There's a much deeper pool of faithful followers of the Lord, prophets, teachers, evangelists that we see in the Bible that weren't led in quite so dramatic of ways. They were led by the Spirit of God that prompted them to do things that maybe were outside of their normal direction and path. And I wanna remind you guys, the call and vision that God has put in your life, the whispers, the nudges, the dreams that you've had for years, they're subtle, they're soft, they're, they're gentle. They're not dictations. They're not angels arriving saying, you must, and you say, okay. They're God saying, you could. Isn't this beautiful? And there's a light that sparks inside of you, and you say, wow, that would be amazing if I could go there, if I could do that. I've, I've had these weird dreams about this certain location, or I've seen myself doing this certain profession, or I've seen myself with a family of this certain size. Or it's, but wow, that's like a dream. It's so big and exciting, but I have no idea how that would happen. I hope it happens. I hope it happens. And I want you to hear that the Spirit of God is telling you you can trust the dreams that the Lord has put in your heart. You can believe with faith that he will accomplish his dreams in you in spite of the distance between who you are in this moment and who that person seems to be that's in that dream. I wanna remind you of my speech class when I was a junior in high school. When I was a junior in high school, we had speech like every other junior in high school. And I got up there and I shook. And I had a shaky voice and it was the first time I'd ever spoken in front of people. And I was terrified of it and I hated it leading up to it and I hated it when I was done with it. And I said, I don't enjoy this, I do not like it. I wanna tell you about the time that I spoke in front of a church for the first time. Not a youth group, a church. I felt sick for two weeks leading up into that moment. I felt like I could never do this, this is awful. And I was like, God, you have to speak through me. God, you have to speak through me. God, you have to speak through me. That's the only way this is gonna work. 
And I got up there for like, it was like a sermonette. The pastor was gracious and gave me like a five-minute window. He's like, you're going to preach for five minutes, and then I'm going to get up and save the service. <laughs> and I did, and I got up, and it was, it was, and I spoke, and I don't even remember what I talked about, but it happened. But I was consumed with like, oh, get that off me. It's just uncomfortable and terrible. But for years, I'd see pictures of myself speaking in front of people. And I'd say, nope, not me, not interested, don't like it. I feel terrible. Surely if this was your idea, I'd feel great and be pumped. Surely if this was your intention for my life, I would just naturally become that person. Or I, I would, it would be in me, right? It would be who I was, not just a kind of a faint picture of what I was supposed to do. Do you think every prophet in the Bible had a clear understanding of what God was calling them into before they got there? I think of like, I'm, I'm gonna get all my Bible history wrong, but I think about like the prophets at Baal. Who, did, who fought them? Elijah. I think about that scenario where he goes up and like he says, you guys go ahead and do your sacrifice, and then he calls fire down from heaven to like wash out, like, it's the craziest of crazy stories. But can you imagine the life of Elijah when he was young, feeling pulled into a life of prophet service towards God? Do you think that God gave him hints, glimpses, maybe even forecasted that moment where he saw fire coming down out of the sky? And Elijah's like, well, that would be amazing. I wonder what that would require. I really know that God leads us to the places he wants us to go, but he, he leads us with love, and love requires complete free will, complete choice on our part, because he wants partnership in love, not puppets that do what he forces them to do. And so for you, each of you, you have an amazing call on your life to go. Your call isn't to attend. Your call is to go. Your call is to be sent of the Spirit of the Lord to specific places to fulfill specific callings to do specific things. There's many missionaries in this room. There's more missionaries per head in this chapel today than are in most churches in America. There's leaders, and there's missionaries, there's pastors, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's, there's musicians, there's all of these people that God has said, these are superheroes, and I'm going to give them to you for a season. You're to equip them to go. Now, I have to get agreement from you that you believe in God's call on your life, because I am not impressed with your talent. I'm not. I know you all well enough. You are not so gifted that I'm like, oh, clear the way. This one's gone. It's not like a sport where it's like, oh, look at this athlete. They're going to dominate when they're older. That's not how the kingdom of God works. He doesn't go, look, at the, look for the ones with the most talent. Look for the ones who are naturally designed to do something. He goes, look for the ones who believe that even in them, 
I could do these great things. He tests you from a young age, not by putting you up to the challenge. So, so at a young age, he doesn't say, Cessia, you're going to be an economist at the age of seven. And Cessia, here's my test. Here's a calculus problem. <laughs> Solve it. Cessia goes, I can't. Maybe it's seven. Here's seven. That's a biblical number. And God's like, not even close. Cessia, that is not a calculus answer. I'm sorry. Michael can confirm that. Nope, you failed that test at seven. And it wasn't seven. So I'm going to go to the next person. No, he puts a dream that may make no sense for your calling in you at a season where you're forced to believe it or not. You're forced into a position where you either believe that you are capable because of him in you or it just won't happen at all. This has never been about your ability, your predisposition, your design. It's always been about your willingness to believe and have faith like Abraham, like David, like Elijah, like Peter. I want to strip you of your responsibility for talent that proves the call. You are not responsible to demonstrate the talent or even agree with your talent. You're responsible only to agree with his calling and know that a God who could create someone as beautiful as me, as unique as me, could also, at any point in my history, whether it's seven years old or 70 years old, could move in and imbue me. That means fill me. That put himself inside of me in a way to where I could accomplish anything on earth. You say, well, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You don't understand the vision God gave for me. Ah, oh, if you understood what vision he gave me, you'd look at me and you'd go, it's really obvious it was a bad vision. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You see, I had this vision and I was standing between two huge pillars that were holding up this amazing structure, like tens of thousands of pounds. And there was these two pillars, and I had this vision, and I saw myself with hands touching both sides. And I began to push, and the pillars broke and fell down. That was the dream God gave me. But I know, because I'm an engineer, that I could never push pillars over particularly ones that are supporting thousands of pounds that just the weight of that, that structure itself wouldn't allow for a human, let alone 10 humans, together to push them apart. Say, Samson, I know that, but I'm still planting that vision in your heart. Samson, you can do anything if you're in the place you need to be at the time you need to be there, and you're in agreement 
that in spite of what reality, natural order, and law says, with me, all things are possible. Samson, you can push over those pillars. You may work your entire life to get stronger and stronger and stronger to fulfill some great vision of physically accomplishing what you think you need to accomplish. But the truth is, with all the muscle in the world, you didn't even have steroids back then, but you, even if you had them, you wouldn't be able to push those columns over. It would take the Spirit of God, angelic help, coming to accomplish the actual thing that needed to happen that day. You just happened in that moment, even in spite of your failures, to agree that I can push. I can agree with what God is prompting me to do because I know him, in spite of my failings, in spite of my limitations, can do this through me. And so when God comes, he comes to every human being and he invites us to a new life. When Jesus arrives, he invites us into a new place, a new perspective, a new heart and spirit. I wish when we're saved, when we say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart and I want you to fill me up. I wish we physically changed on the outside so it was like evidence that there was this new creature. I would grow hair. I'd be just absolutely fast and strong all the time. I could eat whatever I wanted and feel good. Wouldn't have to sleep. I want to be a superhero the moment I accept his spirit into me. Strangely, in spite of a completely new spirit residing in me, converting my exterior body and frame into a superhuman body and frame that would kind of make more sense with this new superhuman spirit that's in me, he leaves it alone. It's the same. It's, it's the same. Some of you wanted to grow six inches. Some of you wanted to get thinner. Some of you wanted to be faster, smarter maybe, like able to retain more facts. We all have desires about who we would like to become in order to be the full version of who we want to be. He says, I don't care about any of those things. There is actually no limitations in you to do unbelievably miraculous things in your life. The only limitation is your belief, your faith in what I'm capable of through you. In spite of that imperfect hairline, maybe your eyebrows are closer together than you'd like. Let me give you some weird things to think about here for a second. Maybe your ears are too big, your nose is too long. I don't know. <laughs> you have decided that you have limitations based on some arbitrary concept of what you think you should be. Jesus is not interested in any of those things. He has zero, zero influence by any of the factors that are so strong and obvious to you. You say, well, I've been through a lot of life. I've experienced a lot of things. I've failed in certain ways. And we've been through those conversations before. We know those failures are not part of the conversation. When Jesus' spirit fills us, who's to disqualify us? Who has the right, when his spirit is inside of me, to say I'm not capable or worthy of the God whose spirit is within me? 
I disagree with that idea completely. And so for you today, I want us to begin a journey in 2024 around newness. What the power of newness means to me, my life, my vision, my dream, my call. I want to look at two scriptures quickly, but I want you just, I want you to hear me. You can go ahead and put one of those up, Michael, if you'd like. Um, I want you to hear me. God is not interested in who you think you are. God is interested in what he has spoken into your heart. And if it came in the form of a whisper, count yourself privileged. Because if it comes in the form of a loud bell and a, and a strong directive, you're functioning in a place where you needed that and you're not acting in a place of faith. And so when he whispers to me, I always wish it were louder, but I come to realize if he whispers, it's an invitation to privileged information. It's an invitation into deeper callings and greater things. You would think after years of following the Lord, hearing from the Lord, being directed by the Lord, his voice would get louder and louder and louder, and he would get clearer and clearer and clearer. And I'd wake up, and there'd be like handwriting on my wall. He'd be like, hey, good morning, Vince. Good to see you. We got things to talk about. I'll see you at 2 o'clock over here. <laughs> Strangely, it's like it gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And what I come to realize is that that spirit in me is, is prompting me in the most subtle and beautiful ways. And it's his voice that's subtle and quiet. And it's almost like symbolism and, and gentle nudges are the order of the day with a God who is, who's so in love with me that he's just excited when I make loving decisions towards his kingdom, even though he's just barely given me a hint. And I'll remind you when I was in my 20s and I was not so nice and I didn't like children that much. He was pretty loud. He talked to me, and I was confident because he talked to me. And he'd, I'd see Serena, and he'd say, tell Serena this. And I was like, see, I'm a prophet. There she is, I'm gonna go tell her. And she'd cry, and God would speak to her, and it'd be beautiful. And I was like, this is surely how God works. He speaks loudly. I didn't realize that he had to speak loudly because I was so loud. I was so immature and so bold and confident and strong in my ways of thinking and my ways of doing that he had to override that volume. Sometimes in our house, we have this constant level of noise in our house. It's really weird. Sophie's so loud. She's just the loudest person. And then we have five really quiet kids. And so us five kids will get up and be like, oh, mom's being loud again. It's not true. <laughs> it's just the opposite. Our kids are constantly laughing, yelling, talking, crying, kicking, fighting, whatever they're doing. We've got a piano now, so they're hitting on the piano. It's awesome. They're, they're, they're constantly making noise. And I love having music on, and so, and I'm probably like have 50% of the hearing Sophia does. And so I'll, when I'm with the kids and she's upstairs or whatever, I'll have music on. And, it, and you don't realize the volume level in the house is like, this is normal. This is with the kids, and then this is Vince on top of it with music. And you come in, and it's like a wave of sound, and it's like too much for the normal human ear. And I'm just like numb to all of it. Um, but you end up increasing the volume of everything that matters to you to hear the, over the things that don't matter, that aren't valuable. And unfortunately, this is how we work 
as humans in our interaction with God. The beauty is he's wonderful enough to come in with a megaphone when we're young and go, hey, Elkin, nice to meet you. I'd like you to be one of mine. And it is, it is to the normal ear, the attuned ear, him screaming, screaming through the muck and mire of, of what is Elkin in that moment. But a decade later, he doesn't need the megaphone anymore with Elkin. He can talk to him. He can prompt him. But here's the question I have for you. If he comes to you in that subtle way, it's not a test of are you hearing. It's a test, are you willing to believe if he gives you great direction, kind of miracle-required direction, you could go here. Are you willing to believe in that place of maturity if his voice is small? Or are you saying, I need a fleece, I need a sign, I need 10 confirmations, I need you to write on my wall, do I really believe you, am I really hearing? Is this your normal pattern of interacting with the Lord? All of you are much more mature in following the Lord than you think. This is not a beginner's group, which is a beautiful thing. And there's no critical eye on do you hear from him enough. But I want you to hear the God of the universe is subtly prompting you towards a destiny where you go somewhere that only you could go with him. I'm excited because I feel like many of you are actually called to like go places that aren't the Bay Area. It's a weird thing to say. It's, it's really special that God would allow us to be together, a group that is destined to move out of this region and go influence other places. You see, he's been, he's been maturing you in this place. This is an unusually difficult place to hear because the volume of life in the Bay Area is very high. It's like you're running around with five kids at all times. But some of those kids are the news. Some of those kids are the spirit of the area that is really strong and really loud. Some of it is, is so just deafening at times. You'll find yourselves when you go to other places like, oh, I don't, I'm not worried about this certain thing I was worried about every day of my life in Berkeley. <laughs> and for some reason, it's just like not a worry when I live or move or visit over here. God's training you. He's teaching you to tune in, have mastery over the volume and the noise that's here, and fall in love with the prompts that he gives and to trust. And as you do, that rocket ship grip that you're working on, it's like some of you are like walking up to the rocket, going, I think it's mine. Some of you have like touched it and go, wow, that's really big. And some of you have got your arms around it and you, you want it to take off and he's stealing your grip so you never, ever let go. But it requires an unwavering faith and belief that you are new, you're qualified, and it's him that's sending you. All right, let's look at some scripture really quick. 
Everything new. What a great title. Go to the next one. Oh, and there's, there's baby Kevin. <laughs> there's going to be some questions after, you, after she arrives. But we'll get through that. It's going it's to it's be fine, Kevin. Don't worry. <laughs> See, if you're not in church, you have no idea what that joke meant. That's good. All of you. All right. Every, move on. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. He's reminding a church that was highly gifted, very fluent and functional in the gifts of the Spirit, they saw healings, they saw miracles, they believed in, they did prophecy, they had all the stuff. He's reminding them that it's this new life in you that qualifies you. You're a completely new creation because you've accepted Jesus. There is never a moment where you are bound to the past things unless you, in your mind, look back and accept those things as part of who you are. You are completely new. Completely new. Let's go to the next slide. These tie together. So this is Jesus interacting with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a teacher. This is the born again thing. You guys have heard it a thousand times. I'm going to read it one more time. Jesus answered Nicodemus, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, that unless a person is born again anew, say new, new. from above, from where? Above. He cannot ever see, he can never know or be acquainted with and experience the kingdom of God. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb again and be born? This is Nicodemus asking the question you would have asked. And Jesus says, no, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, unless a man is born of water and even the spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6 stood out to me today, and I want you guys just to key in on it as well. It says, what is born of or from the flesh is flesh. It's of the physical, it is physical. And what is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel, marvel not, do not be surprised or astonished at my telling you, you must all be born anew from above. That verse 6, what is born, from, born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. I want, I want this to register in you in a way that it probably is just kind of washed over you like it has me for a long time. This, this born of the spirit thing, it's everything as it relates to your, your walk with the Lord. It's everything as it relates to the kingdom of God kind of coming into the arenas you're called into, for you experiencing the peace and the, the joy of the Lord. It is 100%, 100% about your willingness to, to understand and agree with my newness and my new life as it has been identified in Jesus. The callings you guys have, the places you're supposed to go, cannot happen if you're caught wrestling back to places of failure, wrestling even in this moment with your identity as you see it in the mirror. You cannot align yourself with the flesh and the natural judgments on who you are and how you are shaped and what you are called to be. You must 
Say, this new spirit that God has put in me is who I am. This is the identity that I have. It is who he has called me to be, and therefore I am equipped and capable of going and being whatever he has called me to do. And as you guys fully with me, just take hold of our qualification. He's going to send us to amazing places. He really is. He's really, really proud of you guys. He's really eager to fill certain ones up to go places that others just won't because they don't believe they're qualified. They don't believe that he'll do the dreams that he has there through them. They're waiting for some other kind of encounter. For you, it's a new year. It's a completely new day. This year cannot be defined by wrestling with things that have followed you to this point. I want this as a church to be a place where we understand our newness as created people. We're newly created. It is actually the spirit of God himself that has filled us. All things behind us aren't even in the, in the same tier of qualification in terms of capability to say that is more important or that is defining me in this season. It's no, it's a spirit of God from heaven that comes down into us that is so much bigger, so much more powerful, so much more than any amount of flesh could ever amount to. Any amount of failure could amount to, any amount of doubt or, or concern, you know, you guys know. You guys know what I mean. You, you get to where you're so fixated on who you were, what people have said, what you understand today, that you're so blind to what's ahead of you. And God comes and whispers and says, this is who I want you to be, or this is where I want you to go. And all you can see is this moment and behind you. What you're not seeing is there's actually a new spirit in you. It's completely different from the flesh, this natural man that was shaped in a natural earth, but God from heaven has come and he's put a new spirit in you and said, this spirit is capable of carrying you into this destiny. And so for us in this year, this is where we're starting this year together. We need to, to fuel the flame on the big visions that God has whispered into our lives. You need to share those visions with people and if the person you share that with says, eh, I don't know, find a new person. Do not let anyone compromise God's call on your life because they see you as you are or as you were. If you feel that you have relationships with people that are defining you based on who you were or where you're at in this moment, not who God has called you to be, end those relationships. Do not play a game with your life where you say, no, I need to keep all these people happy and I want to be affirmed and, and this, must, this is the way God works is like we reconcile each other and, and we slowly crawl through life wondering why we can't ever approach the vision God had for us. You are not designed to hang out with people that are going to drag you back to where you were because they are there and they want you to come back to them. You have to look forward. And you have to say, God's vision probably is compelling me out of these stagnant places into places of vibrancy in life. Your life is his. 
It is not yours when you've surrendered it. Don't look to them for affirmation and direction. You agree with what he's called you into. You have to. Otherwise, you'll, you'll find yourself in the 99%. Because there's a limit for most of us where our faith meets its challenge in the volume of life and the volume and cares of life, the concerns of our peers, our parents, our friends, they become so loud that satisfying their concerns and, and then the belief systems they give us end up drowning out the subtle call, the subtle voice that said, you're capable of so much more. I'll pay for it if you go to this certain country. Don't worry about the money. I'll, I'll take care of your financial needs if you take this new career path. Drop this relationship, I'll give you many more, but trust me in the process of dropping these relationships. The care has become so loud and what it is, it's, it's a willingness to continue to die to the flesh and agree with the spirit. And so as we go into this next year, my friends, and the rest of you, I want you to look and I want you to go, that was for you, Serena. <laughs> She's so mean to me up here. She always makes fun I love you. So I, I want you to look and you say, am I, am I assessing my call, my dreams, my what could be's from my life? Am I assessing them based on my current understanding, my peer group's understanding, my family's understanding, or am I in agreement with the vision that God has put because I believe I can do all things through Christ. I am new after all. You may have given birth to me, Stephen, but I am his now. I'm just getting him ready for his daughter. She's going to come alongside and go, Dad, you think you know, but God knows better. It's coming. It's going to be good. She's going to be strong and pretty. Um, I'm really convinced for you guys. I really am. And I hope that my vote of confidence in God's call on your life will empower you in this year to take full hold of the spirit of the Lord that's in you and run with it. Make huge decisions, make bold decisions. I can go anywhere and I'll be under the covering of the Lord. I may not fully understand, but I'm going. I can do anything. I can pray any prayer. I can agree with the spirit of God for miracles, signs and wonders, I can do all of those things because it's him after all that's prompting this desire. There's no fleshly desire when you're walking the streets that says, oh, I could pray for that person and they'd be healed. That is never your flesh. Why would your flesh want that? Your flesh wants a hamburger and five bucks. It doesn't care if somebody else feels better. That is true. It's 100% true. You start to, to hear your spirit prompting you and remind yourself, there's a new me capable of seeing these things happen. Mm. And he is good looking. And I like him better than the old me. It's true. It's really true. You look better with the spirit of the Lord prompting you in life. You do. You're better looking. You're happier. Got a lot more joy in your face probably well rested too yeah thanks mom <sighs> all right i love you guys